Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewired News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that really needs cisgender people to stop both sidesing the ongoing trans genocide. Thank you very much. I'm Imani Gandhi, Rewired News Group's editor at large. And I'm Jess Pikla, Rewired News Group's executive editor. Rewire News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to stand up for trans folks. And the Boom Lawyer podcast is part of that mission. So big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners and viewers. So look, Amani and I are all about the jokes, but the reality is, is what we're going to talk about right now is not that funny. There is an all-out assault right now on gay and trans folks, the likes of which we haven't seen in at least 20 years. We've got hundreds of bills being introduced to eradicate LGBTQ folks from society, an ongoing fear-mongering campaign that has seen like legacy newspapers like the New York Times not even able to step up and away from their own anti-trans coverage and do things like, I don't know, bring on a trans reporter to talk about the issues at hand. You know, we've got right-wing extremists threatening actual genocide and mincing words around this by attempting to quote-unquote ban transgenderism, it is clear that trans folks are under siege. And that's what we're going to talk about. The first thing we're going to talk about is this neo-lavender scare that has been ongoing for the past couple of years now. Mm -hmm. um, for those who don't recall, because you might be wee babes in the, <laughs> wee babes in the woods, uh, the lavender scare, well, I mean, I wasn't alive during the lavender scare either because it happened in the 50s, right? Around the red mm -hmm. scare, right? It was this... Um, this sort of targeted fear-mongering campaign aimed at ferreting out and removing gay employees, gay government employees from public service. And, you know, this is right in the 50s at the height of McCarthyism, so it's very much tied to these sort of, these sort of fascist, you know, anti-people, anti-democracy movements. I'm really glad that we're starting with this background because, A, I think you're right. There are a lot of folks who don't know that at one point in our history, there was an actual movement to eradicate gay and trans folks from public life, from public service, but that it is here again. It is. And, you know, it's it's just very distressing. And, and as a person, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I have letters from signed by J. Edgar Hoover authorizing the government, the feds, to go rifling through my, my grandparents' trash because yeah. they were Jewish communists, right? So yeah. this is around the time where government was cracking down on people that they didn't like and trying to remove those people from civic society. And that includes gay and trans people. And guess what? As Jess said, we're right back there again. In February of last year, the Movement Advancement Project published a report entitled Under Fire, The War on LGBTQ People in America. Um, the report details the ways in which anti-LGBTQ advocates are attempting to literally erase gay folks, gay and trans folks from society by doing things like making it impossible for gay youth to be themselves in school, making it impossible for trans youth to be themselves in mm -hmm. school. Uh, they are banning or fining teachers and schools for even talking about LGBTQ people or issues, right? We have these right. don't, gay, don't say gay bills that are flourishing again. They're banning books 
written by LGBTQ authors, written by anybody that talks about LGBTQ people or even have LGBTQ characters in them. Mm-hmm. They're banning teachers from supporting LGBTQ students. They're disallowing gay teachers, gay and trans teachers from being themselves. And they're even targeting them for firing. They're trying to get them fired out of these fake concerns that LGBTQ teachers inherently by who they are, are grooming their students, grooming children. Mm -hmm. And that's not where it ends. They're also criminalizing and banning transition so that trans folks just can't be themselves, right? When you target transition-related healthcare, which is what these bans do, and criminalizing supportive parents and doctors, you are making a brand new class of criminal citizenry, which is what these bills are designed to do. We've got one in Texas, right? They introduced a bill to make supporting trans kids or supporting your trans kids and their gender affirming uh, care child abuse, mm. child abuse, Imani. Yeah. Wyoming introduced a similar bill this year. Florida has said, hold my beer on this and will remove children potentially if the parents are supporting them in gender affirming care. All right. It's also prohibiting transgender and non-binary people from updating identity documents like birth certificates, driver's license, ID cards. Very important if you're going to be a person in the world and I don't know, you get pulled over by the cops, you should have your ID cards match your identity, right? They're trying to pass policies that require government schools and teachers to only recognize sex assigned at birth or inaccurate pronouns. They are enshrining inequality into law, right? As progressives push for more equality, anti-LGBTQ folks are trying to make inequality against LGBTQ folks legal as a matter of law, right? They want to make it so that you are legally allowed to discriminate against gay and trans people simply for who they are. And they're trying to do that so that they can keep gay and trans folks on the fringe of society because they're fear-mongering around these people's existence, They are trying to repeal non-discrimination protections so that LGBTQ folks won't have protection when it comes to being fired for being who they are, being denied public accommodations, right? Being able to walk into a bakery and order a cake. Uh, They're being denied housing, medical care, all of these things, governmental programs on the basis of their identity. And what's really just disturbing about this, besides everything, of course, is that opponents are wielding religion as a weapon against LGBTQ folks, right? So it's not that they are opposed or they hate or they have some sort of phobia when it comes to gay and trans people. It's that their religion says that they are going to hell. Their religion doesn't recognize their existence and they are beholden to their religion and they expect everyone else to be beholden to to their religion as well and therefore discriminate against the people they don't like, in this case, gay and trans folks. It's it's really rough and it goes one level deeper, too, because it's part of this process of erecting systemic and structural barriers to make change harder too, right, Imani? I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast about how efforts to do things like disenfranchise voters and gerrymandering makes it harder for those of us who believe in equality to elect leaders that protect us. It makes it harder for gay and trans folks to elect leaders that protect them. This is literally the tyranny of the majority that James Jimmy Madison, (laughs) Jim Bob Madison, (laughs) Jim Bob Madison 
one of those important founders that we're always waxing poetic about in these debates, right? This is the tyranny of the majority that we were warned about. And it is also right out of the anti-abortion playbook. It is. And Jess and I have been talking about this for years. I mean, it's fascinating to me watching people catch up to the things that we've been saying, not to like blow smoke up our own asses, but we Mm -hmm. have been talking about this stuff and trying to prepare people and society really for what's coming. And, you know, one of the key points I keep going back to the fact that voting rights is the is the single, I think, policy issue that has driven all of these, quote unquote, cultural wars, right? Yes. John Roberts in the 80s, working for the Reagan administration, make made undercutting, undermining the Voting Rights Act his mission. He's been doing this shit since like 1983, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Shelby V. Holder, right, in 2013, basically gutted the Voting Rights Act. And there's a reason why all of these laws seem to follow, right? Because if you don't have the right to vote, if you're allowing states to gerrymander people out of you know, existence, essentially, if you're mm-hmm. allowing them to, to impose these oppressive voter, voting rights laws that act as voter suppression laws, then how are people supposed to vote for representatives who will express their values in government, right? You can't. Exactly. You can't. And so that's what the anti-abortion folks have been doing. That's how they got to overturn Roe. And that's what trans, the anti-trans and anti-gay folks are doing. It is. It's, I mean, it's, it's wild in how identical it is. And, you know, surprise, surprise, 20 years out from Shelby County versus Holder. And we're seeing truly the fruits of that case come. We're only 10 years out. You said oh, 20. 10. It's I 10. I said 20. I, the it math seems is like hard. 20. The math ain't mathin. <laughs> <laughs> the vibes are in shambles and the math ain't mathin. So the second it, thing we're going to talk oh. about is the flood of anti-trans bills in recent years, right? There's a, a website, uh, a trans legislation tracker. I think it's called mm-hmm. just like translegislationtracker.com or something to that effect. And the, the, the data compiled by that website, by the people running that website, tells an alarming, an alarming story. So in 2021, the number of bills introduced more than doubled from the previous years, bills that attacked trans rights, right? 144 bills were introduced in 37 states. 144 bills in 37 states. 18 of those bills passed, including Arkansas's Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act. Experimentation? The, yeah, because they had, to ha- they had to make it the SAFE Act, right? Like you have to, these are the things you got to do. Like what would we do if we're going to do like an Abobo Act? You know, aborting babies or birthing, what's the O word? Birthing yeah, something. Ospreys? Ospreys? Like, <laughs> Otters. But that's about as ridiculous as Republicans get when they're trying to cram some sort of, you know, cram some sort of name for a bill into a predetermined acronym. It's absurd. But the SAFE Act, the SAFE Act, which bans gender-affirming care, became law despite a veto by then-governor, Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson, who called the bill a vast government overreach, Right. These are the people who are talking, even the GOP over the weekend tweeted something about, oh, the Republicans want a government so small you can't even see it. What are you talking about? All Republicans are doing is is flexing their governmental muscles to just tear people down, to strip people of their rights. (laughs) That's like the really only appropriate reaction. And um, 
Amani, would it surprise you to learn that in 2022, those bills became even more draconian? Shocking. Shocking. Shocked face right here <laughs> is what it is. Check out these statistics. Like, I'm, I'm, my palms are so sweaty. I keep grabbing the script and it's like <laughs> smeared at this point because I'm so emotional about what's going on here. Okay. 174 bills were introduced in 2022. 26 passed. Those include laws banding, banding, banning gender affirming care and creating harsh penalties for providers. Laws enshrining the definition of quote-unquote men and quote-unquote women and blocking trans students from participating in sports. Which this particular, I mean, all of this grinds my gears. It's all terrible. But I have never in my life heard conservatives wax on about women in sports as I have in the last two years as they are trying to strip trans girls of their right to play on sports teams, right? There are studies that show that the hormone therapy that people go through essentially, essentially brings them down to the same level, right, as the other women that they're playing with, right? It's not a matter of men joining women's teams. No, it's women joining women's teams. But all of a sudden, all of these conservatives really, really care about women's sports. They really, really care about girls in sports, even though they probably don't even know what Title IX is. They don't care that Title IX is unfunded. They don't care that the women's soccer team makes, you know, way, way less than the men's soccer team, and they've won way, way more championships, right? They don't care that the first thing to go in some public high schools is girls sports, right? Because girls sports isn't important. But now, now it's super important. Why? Because we need to peer into your child's underwear to make sure that they have the appropriate genitals. And they have the nerve to call trans people groomers. It's, I mean, that's an entire word that Imani Gandhi just gave you folks. <laughs> what do you say? Just but can't. But it's just, they didn't, they don't even stop there, right? This is the year that we see the don't say gay or trans bills that stigmatize LGBTQ teachers and students in school under this guise of quote unquote parental rights, right? This idea that no, the parents have the rights to assert well over this. And hey, look, I've got two kids of my own and yes, parental rights are a thing, but not as a weapon to undermine and attack and try to eradicate a group of folks that you have a religious bias against. Sorry. And what's what's wild about these don't say gay bills is that they're not new. <sighs> they're they're so not new that in April of last year, Kay Ivey, right, the governor of Alabama, signed into law a don't say gay bill after repealing one the prior year. What? So in 2021, she repealed the don't say gay bill because back in 2021, this panic had not get, reached its, its zenith, right? And then just last year, she was like, JK, just kidding. I'm going to go ahead and sign another don't say gay bill into law. We've been here before, right? DeSantis is like, you know, he's, he's also you see my face. I know. When you Ugh. said his name. I'm actually, I'm going to let you talk about DeSantis because I'm getting sweaty just doing it. Just, well, yeah, first I'm, I'm, of all, I'm seeding that to rude, you. <laughs> but okay, we're friends and have been doing this show for a while. I will, but oh, this man, okay, he signed one of these bills into law last year, which has prompted nearly half of queer Floridians to consider leaving the state. And that's according to a study out of UCLA Law School about the impact of the Florida Don't Say Gay bill. Like, people are, are fleeing if they have the means to or considering it. It's horrifying mm -hmm. and that's just not the way that like life should be 
But it's not just Florida. More than 30 states have introduced such laws. And as we saw with the anti-abortion playbook, they will keep trying these bills until they pass. Right? Bills that carve out exemption for discrimination on religious grounds. Bills that prohibit non-binary designation on birth certificates. You know, these bills likening gender-affirming care to child abuse. Texas, Florida, Wyoming, we're looking at you, right? So there's part of the amplification. And one of the things I want to bring up about this likening gender-affirming care to child abuse, you know, we did a podcast about Texas doing that. I think it was yeah. last year. And you know, I read some of the, there was a lawsuit and I read some of the briefs, some of the orders that came out of the court and the court in this lawsuit, one of these lawsuits challenging this policy said that, that foster care, no, no, it wasn't challenging this policy. I'm sorry. It was a lawsuit challenging foster care systems generally mm. about the ways in which children are treated in Texas's foster care systems. And the judge said that people who age out of Texas's foster care system have mm -hmm. the same level of PTSD as combat veterans. Like, what? that's how bad it is to grow up in the Texas foster care system. It's like being in a war, yeah. right? And imagine if you're a gay or trans youth, right? You've just been ripped from your parents and thrust into a foster care system that hates your existence, given yeah. to people, most likely white Christians, who hate your existence. It, that in and of itself is child abuse. Not Loving your child is not child abuse. Ugh. 2023. Yeah. It gets worse. The bills got Fucking worse hell. this year. Yeah. So we've got an Oklahoma bill proposing banning gender affirming care for adults. Right. So it's not just children they're concerned about. Now it's adults up to age 26 years. And, oh, you know, yeah, no, 26 on. years. I was going to ask you, the healthcare expert, what is, why does 26 years old ring a bell to you? Did you see me just jump all over yeah, myself? Ah! <laughs> like, call on me! Pick me, me pick me, pick I have me. the answer. But, so, so, listeners and viewers, this is, this is a classic Trojan horse move here. So, 26 is the age that the Affordable Care Act allows you to stay on your parents' health insurance. This was a huge advancement for folks. Like, I turned 18 and was functionally out on my own, right? Like now, so not only is this an attack on trans adults, this is yet again another attack on the Affordable Care Act because if they can undermine this 26 provision for trans folks, they can undermine it for everybody. I'm so fucking mad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go on. Physicians who provide gender-affirming care could be subject to felony charges and the loss of their medical license. What? Yeah, yeah. Providing health care, right? Abiding your, the oath that you took to do no harm, the Hippocratic Oath, that could land you in jail and that could strip you of your medical license. Uh, we already talked about the Wyoming bill that would make yeah. gender-affirming care child abuse. There's just lots more fuckery in school going on besides the don't say gay or trans bills. There's an Arizona bill which would encourage parents to report and ban books which, quote, promote gender fluidity or gender pronouns. How do you promote a pronoun? It's just a bit of grammar. It's a It's everyone has pronouns. So we're banning the English language because you're freaking out that people are asking you to to call them by a pronoun that you may think is weird or that you don't think aligns with how you perceive that person? What's wrong with you? 
Another bill, it gets even worse. Another bill would require both a guardian and a teacher to approve of a student's pronouns, right? So a student walks in and says, I want you to refer to me as they, them, right? The parents and the the teacher have to agree. Why it is the teacher has to agree about what what a child is going to call themselves is baffling to me. It's baffling to me. Why are we doing pronouns by committee? Right. Right. What? What? I mean, just imagine mandating that teachers have to disrespect your student's identity, yeah. your kid's identity. Like that that's a mandate from the state. Oh, and by the way, a couple of us are going to get together and discuss it first, and we're going to take a vote. Right. Sorry, you're not she her anymore. We decided. Like what is Ugh, I can't. But it gets worse. Right? We've seen this wave of just absolute freak out over drag shows, right? Yes. Dra- we've seen these drag mans. First of all, people have been dressing in drag since the dawn of goddamn time, right? Like, since the dawn of goddamn time. But because now people have managed to associate drag shows with, you know, transgenderism, quote unquote, whatever the fuck that is, because you can't, like, trans people are not an ideology. They're not an ism. They're people, right? That would be like saying blackism. Like, what even is that? I don't even know, but I was just sitting here thinking, like, have you seen the Pope? Right. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, the man is wearing very fetch dresses. Okay. <laughs> so there's an Arizona bill that would make it a crime to expose your kid to adult, quote unquote, adult oriented businesses. And this includes singing, lip syncing, or even doing a monologue while wearing, quote, clothing, makeup, or other accessories, close quote, differing from your sex at birth, right? So this, this is the like anti-Mrs. Doubtfire clause, yeah. mm-hmm. right? You can't take your kids to go see Mrs. Doubtfire because in Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Williams is singing and doing monologues and dialogues. The whole, half the damn movie is, his in, is him in drag. Or Mulan, right? right? Mulan's about this Chinese girl who becomes a warrior, but she pretends to be a boy so she can go and be this warrior because she's like a super badass with a, with a sword. Can't take can't take your kids to go see Mulan because it's a it's a it's a girl dressing as a boy and that's a drag show and it's dangerous for your kids. Mulan is grooming your kids, guys. And and this moral panic because that's exactly what this is. This is moral panic, which is a very useful tool for authoritarianism, which is what we're seeing. Does it can't be stopped in entertainment spaces, right? So like, yeah, Amani, you're totally right. This is like the Mrs. Doubtfire clause. But the question is, can you actually, with these kinds of bans, be gender nonconforming in public, right. generally, as a proposition? If you are gender nonconforming in any way, shape, or form, and you are speaking at a rally, mm-hmm. right? If you are gender nonconforming and you are proselytizing on the street corner, can you do that anymore? I don't know. It's I don't know. It's, it's, vague. it's vague, and that's the point. Yep. Okay, so 2023 is remarkable in a terrible way for something else. Because this is where we see the beginning of national anti-trans legislation. So, like abortion, don't think that this fever around banning whatever they want to ban is going to stay in the states. As soon as they can pipeline this up to Congress, they will. So you're going to love this. No, you're actually going to hate it. I'm not going to love it. <laughs> you're fully going to hate it. Um, 
the did did you know that we have a women's bill of rights, Amani? Oh, yeah, I'm sure it includes stuff like equal pay and you know the totally. right to bodily autonomy and you Completely. know all of that kind of stuff, right? The fuck it does not. What it concludes <laughs> is an attempt to erase trans recognition by the federal government and define man or woman or boy or girl by a person's assigned sex at birth. And this is the part that you're really going to hate to declare that assigned sex at birth immutable. Man. So this is an attempt to just like head off at the pass any arguments about how trans people deserve equal protection rights under the 14th Amendment, right? Because you're a smart one. There I'm a go. smart girl, right? So when we talk about immutability, right, mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about characteristics that cannot be changed. Yeah. And immutability is tied to the level of scrutiny that a court will undergo when examining laws that target a specific group, right? So yep. laws that target race, right? Black people can't go to the grocery store, Right. That's a law that a court would look at. I mean, imagine if that were actually a law. I wouldn't mind it. I just get Instacart. But <laughs> right. But a court would look at that and say, that's a racial classification. We yeah. look at racial classifications using something called strict scrutiny. Right. Right. When it's gender, if it's something that says, you know, women can't go to the grocery store. We look at those classifications using intermediate scrutiny. Like it's a heightened level of scrutiny. It's not strict. It's intermediate. And then there's, of course, the eh, fuck it, who cares level of review, which is rational basis review, which basically means the state can do whatever they want as long as they have some reason to do it. So when we talk about about groups of people that are entitled to that protection, immutability is a key, key component. And what's fascinating to me is that now we're having an argument about immutability on both sides. On the one hand, people who believe in trans rights and believe that trans people are people and understand that that gender dysphoria is something that is very difficult for trans people to undergo and transitioning helps them deal with that. It's a medical condition and transitioning is the medical care that is indicated for that transition, (laughs) right? And so in my view and in the view of people who have two brain cells to rub, rub together, Gender identity is immutable, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. talk to trans people and they say they felt they felt this way from a young, young age, right? Yeah. And another thing that bugs me about immutability, guess what's considered immutable that is 100% not immutable? Religion. You're not born Catholic and you have to stay Catholic. You're Done. not born... <laughs> Jess has left the room, right? People change their religion all the time, but what... What the courts wanted to do is to give Christians a way to complain that anything that discriminates against them is entitled to the highest level of scrutiny. But, not, but apparently not trans people? Trans people aren't entitled to the highest level of scrutiny or any level of scrutiny whatsoever? Man, listen. Uh, so I got another one for you. I don't want it. Too bad. God damn it. Too bad. <laughs> because this one. Oh, boy. Have you heard about the My Child, My Choice Act, Amani? I, I already hate it. My Child, My Choice Act. Like, oh, All God. Right. Like, My Body, My Choice. We get it. We get what you're right. doing, guys. You're we very get clever, it. guys. It's so clever. 
This abomination would require a teacher to get written consent from parents anytime a lesson on gender identity, sexual orientation, or transgender studies is to be taught. Now get this. If 50% don't want the lesson taught, it can't be taught. So once again, we're doing it by committee, folks. We're just crowdsourcing like whether or not people can learn certain yep. topics in school. Yeah. What Gonna the do fuck, a man? quick Twitter poll here. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. Just crowdsource don't say gay. That's okay. I guess that's what we're doing. That's that's how it is. And so let's talk about the third thing. Our third topic today. We've we've hinted at it, but the parallels yeah. between anti-trans bills and anti-abortion bills. Uh-huh. And we got we to gotta sit back. We got to go way in the way back machine. Way back to 2011. Right around when we became friends, right? 2011, yeah. the, the burgeoning years of our friendship. That was when the Tea Party exploded onto the political scene. And we saw this new flood of anti-choice bills just swamp yep. legislatures across the country. A lot of model bills, a lot of bills drafted by organizations like Americans United for Life or ALEC, where they just sort of pass these bills around to different red state legislators and they just fill in the blanks. It's, yeah. it's Mad Lib bills is essentially what it is. Definitely Bills of <clears throat> very various absurdity and scientific legitimacy were introduced over and over and over again until the federal judiciary was so borked that it was willing to accept the constitutionality of these once unconstitutional bills, right? What these people were doing, they were just, Texas, for example, started introducing a six-week ban like back in like 2013, yep. and they kept introducing it over and over and over for fucking 10 years until it finally passed, right? Yep, yep, and the same thing is happening with these anti-trans bills. The point is to flood legislatures with anti-trans bills over and over and over again until some of them eventually get passed. I mean, Amani and I gave a little recap at the top of the of, of the episode, and each year more were introduced and more were passed. And there is a point to this, not just to try and get them passed, but because this kind of activity is actually a strategy. Mm. It moves what's called the Overton window. And the Overton window is basically that basic line of what folks who we'll just call them the normies the regular guys and gals and non-binary friends like out there who just see the world right if we are introducing more and more legislation and each round of it is more and more extreme what becomes the center shifts Mm -hmm. is ever more radicalized to a conservative position. And that's what's happening here. That's how concern over women's sports and girls in sports can morph into a ban on gender-affirming care for adults up to 26. Mm -hmm. It's the Overton window shift, and that's the strategy that's at hand. And if you think about it, like think about John Kasich, right? In Do Ohio. I, have to? <laughs> I really don't want to. I really would rather not. <laughs> but John Kasich <clears throat> vowed, yeah. I think it was two or three years ago, when a six week ban came across his desk, he was like, oh, no, we're not doing a six week ban. It's way too extreme. It's no. just way two weeks after a person knows they're pregnant no we're not going to do that but this 20 week ban that's on my desk yeah. now that's pretty reasonable we all can it's agree that, that sluts shouldn't be getting abortions after 20 weeks right when right. in fact you know once once upon a time when we had the rule of law when we had roe v wade before the court went rogue 
there were rules. And the rule was pre-viability. We used to sing a song about it, right? Pre-viability, abortion bans are unconstitutional. I mean, that was the rule. Whether it was a 20-week ban, a 6-week ban, a 10, 12, 14, 18-week ban, they were all as unconstitutional as the rest of them. But, you know, when you're talking polite society, you're like, six weeks, terrible. 20 weeks, eh, maybe. And so that's what they're doing with trans bills. Right. Right. They have a point. Yeah. Ugh. So, Jess? Yeah? We got to talk about Anthony Kennedy. We got to talk about Anthony Kennedy and how he turned out to be a punk. That's the fourth thing we're going to talk about today. Yeah. He's a punk. Tony Kennedy's a punk. He's a punk ass, right? We're still mad at Tony. And we've been saying this for years. But here's why. When Anthony Kennedy re- renounced, I said renounced, he renounced his position. I mean, that's essentially what he did, right? He, he renounced did. his position on the court and everything that he said he fucking stood for. But when he announced his retirement, it truly did feel like a betrayal of his legacy yeah. when it comes to equal rights for LGBTQ people, yep. right? Like, he seemed to ride pretty hard for LGBTQ folks, like, over the course of his career for someone who was relatively conservative. Yeah, I mean, for but, a Republican dude. Right, exactly. But, you know, he had rulings in cases like Lawrence v. Texas, which decriminalized mm-hmm. sodomy, Obergefell v. Hodges, which decriminalized same-sex marriage. And in these cases, he talks a really good game so about much. the dignity of, LG- of LGBTQ people, right? Mm-hmm. It is undignified, to not let them get married and divorced in the same way that hetero couples do, right? It's undignified to Mm -hmm. peer into the bedrooms of gay folks and say, here's what you can and cannot do with a a consenting partner. But apparently, he didn't give that much of a crap about the dignity of LGBTQ folks. He didn't give enough of a crap to not retire during an administration that would replace Kennedy with someone who didn't care about equality for gay and trans people and someone and or someone who was actively hostile to those Mm -hmm. rights. And I would say that the last three justices that we got were both of those things, right? Not only don't they care, they are actively Actively hostile hostile to it. And it's not like... He didn't have a chance to show LGBTQ folks that he was more than just talk about dignity, right? Right. I mean, Masterpiece fucking Cake Shop, Imani. He had a chance in Masterpiece Cake Shop to make it clear that religious animus against gay and trans folks wouldn't be tolerated under the law. This was the core issue in that case. And what did he do? He punted. He punted. He like punted a like a punk ass bitch. <laughs> he did. That yeah. I mean, it's he had the opportunity to take the court down an equal protection analysis and was like, yeah, you know what? We're gonna save that. I'm good. Let's let's hold that for another day. Instead, what he did was just kind of cater to the religious right that had complained in that case that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission was too mean to Phillips, this guy who didn't want to bake a cake for gay couples because of his religious beliefs. And how were they mean to him, Amani? They were mean to him. The Colorado Commission of Civil Rights was mean to him by pointing out things like the historical truth that the First Amendment had been used as a weapon to try and shield folks from complying with anti-discrimination laws that people had made First Amendment religious claims against things like racial integration, against Social Security at one point. Like, 
that's what the Colorado Commission of Civil Rights pointed out. And Kennedy was like, yeah, you know what? That seems sucks. That seems That's mean. mean. I mean That's what, really what, mean. Why would you say that Christianity was used to prop up slavery? I mean, oh. that's... That you I demand an apology. I mean, I demand pistols at dawn because this is just rude. But I mean, that's like turned out to be a punk ass bitch. He also could have done the same thing in Obergefell v. Hodges, right? The same yep. sex marriage case. And the more I think about that case, the more I absolutely fucking hate it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah and, yeah. you know, and I at the time it was I mean, it was such a huge deal right. at the time. I mean, it really was because. You know, gay folks tried during the Obama administration really, really hard to move him off of being, you know, off of supporting policies that discriminated against gay people. It was under Obama that yes. don't ask, don't ask, don't tell got repealed. Right. Yes. It was under Obama that the Amer the American Care Act, the Affordable Care Act, excuse me, the Affordable Care Act included that section 1557 that says, mm -hmm. yeah, you got to provide care to trans people. You can't discriminate against trans people. And so when 2015 came around with Obergefell, we were all overjoyed. But here we are like seven, eight years later. And I kind of hate it. Lisa Needham, yeah. who is a friend of the podcast, contributed to RNG and our Brandy Carlisle pal. <laughs> but she wrote about how Kennedy's opinion is backfiring. Yeah. Like, it is. Low these many years later because of his insistence in making sure that bigots don't feel like bigots, right? Mm -hmm. Bigots don't, you can't make bigots feel like bigots because it's mean and it's sad. And she described it as Kennedy basically writing very fine people on both sides language in his opinion, right? Yeah. Like, you got to serve the gay folks cakes, but also you got to not be mean when religious people want to discriminate against gay people because of their religion. It's horseshit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still mad. Roberts read his dissent from the bench in a yeah. bird of and, and his, his gay sister was in the freaking gallery. My God. And his dissent was like, you hurt my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sad. I'm not a bigot. Again, where, Amani is the equal protection analysis? Where is it here? Where? I Look can't find it. Look under your chair. It. Seriously, because had we just had a sliver of equal protection analysis when the court had the opportunity to, it would have given LGBTQ activists some idea of what was to come as they are looking for full equal rights in non-marriage context, right? Because a Bergefell, these decisions should build on each other so that if you can't discriminate against gay and trans folks in marriage licenses, you can't also discriminate against them in rental housing, in mortgages, right? Mm -hmm, like this mm -hmm. is how civil rights work. I mean, he alluded to an equal protection analysis in his opinion, right? He Great. The idea that sexual orientation should yeah. be granted some level of heightened scrutiny was implicit in Kennedy's decision, Obergefell. Implicit, not explicit, because God forbid he'd be explicit about it. But he even used the term immutable, right? That term immutable is rearing its head again in this episode. He used the term immutable to describe sexual orientation. Again, that's the touchstone of determining the level of judicial scrutiny to use when we're talking about discriminating against a, you know, a, a quote unquote discrete and insular minority. That yeah. means a group of people who don't have the political power to make change for the better for themselves because there's just not enough of them, right? They're just not enough trans voters. They're just not enough gay voters yeah. to affect the sort of widespread change that needs to happen. 
But he never discussed in the opinion what level of scrutiny courts should apply to sexual orientation cases. And it would have been so easy for him to do so. Because are there any more people in the country right now that are under siege than gay and trans folks? Trans folks especially? Trans women of color in especially, especially? I don't know. There's not. But instead, he just wanted to talk about their dignity rather than talking about something that he could do as a matter of law to protect these people. Okay. So I can't believe I'm going to do this. But to be fair, to be fair. To be (laughs) fair-ish, to be fair-ish, no court has engaged in an equal protection analysis, right? So, like, maybe that's asking a little too much. Of is Tony it? Kennedy. I is mean, it? no, but like I'm trying here. <laughs> yeah, okay? Okay, okay. We've got okay. like even Anne Claire Williams, a black Clinton appointee to the Seventh Circuit, punted on this question and the equal protection analysis in her landmark decision recognizing transgender student rights to use bathroom facilities that mm-hmm. align with their gender identity. Okay, so like it, it, you know, and to Amani's point earlier, it was hard to move liberals on this issue. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama was not a supporter of marriage equality on his presidential run. He was moved there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because he was pandering to the right. It was because we were he was afraid of losing voter Democratic voters. Okay? But but the reality is Tony Kennedy had an opportunity and power and ability and passed on all of it. Mm-hmm. And because he passed, because he punted like the punk ass bitch that he is. <laughs> We have the Bostock decision. Yeah. And that's a statutory decision. And it's vulnerable and under attack. And we've talked about that on the pod. So Bostock is for our our new listeners. Bostock is the decision that Justice Gorsuch wrote. And we gave him a little too much credit for this, too. That says under Title VII, the law that prohibits employment discrimination, that you can't be fired for being gay or trans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ann Claire Williams may not have done that, but that opinion of the Ash Whitaker case was a boss ass opinion, number one. And number two, I'm still mad at Tony because he's a goddamn Supreme Court justice and he had multiple opportunities to engage in an equal protection analysis. And this, if he had done so in Obergefell, then I bet Ann Claire Williams would have also because she would have had some some hint from above, right? From yep. the court above her that this was an analysis that needed to be made. So. Yeah, still mad, Tony. But the bottom line Mm -hmm. is that we have six Federalist Society captured stooges on the Supreme Court who don't care about protecting the civil rights of trans people and who are actively hostile to trans people. The goal is to punish trans people for existing, to make life difficult for trans kids to exist. It's pure cruelty for cruelty's sake. And I have to say, in light of the sort of discourse that has gone on since that jackass Michael Knowles stood up at CPAC and said, you know, we have to eradicate transgenderism, I've seen far too many well-meaning centrists, right? And they tend to be white guys. These just well-meaning centrists who are like, I mean, he didn't say that he wants to kill transgender people. He said he wants to eradicate transgenderism. Well, ha- first of all, as I said earlier, transgenderism is, an I- is not an ideology. There's no such thing as being as transgenderism, just like there's no such thing as blackism. But, you know, in addition, it just seems to me that people are parsing language. They're splitting hairs. They're playing semantic games because they are too chicken shit 
to take a strong stand. And why are they too chicken shit? Likely because they have conservatives at their Thanksgiving table or Republican friends or people who are just asking questions. They don't quite understand why trans people exist. And so they're just asking questions. They're not necessarily transphobic. So when you say eradicate transgenderism, you're not necessarily calling for the killing of people, but you are. And if you're not calling for the killing of people, you're calling for for imposing mental harm on them. And mental harm, if you look up genocide, if you look at the UN's definition of genocide, imposing mental harm or bodily harm on a group of people counts as genocide. How are you going to detransition trans people? That's what they want. They want, to, they want trans people to revert, quote unquote, back to their biological sex. How are you going to do that? Forcibly? What if trans people refuse? I don't know, Imani. These same centrists told me the court would never overturn Roe. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So these these folks are always right about everything. All oh, don't worry your pretty little head. Roe's not going to go anywhere. Oh, don't worry your pretty little gay head. Obergefell v. Hodges isn't going anywhere. Meanwhile, Iowa has just introduced a bill to uh, to eradicate same sex marriage. Okay, let's get a drink. Let's go get a drink. If you'd like to get a drink with us and and talk about any of this stuff, talk about why it is that you should support trans rights and why it is if you, especially if you are a cis gay, they are coming for you too. So don't be a pick me queer, please. If you would like to do any of these things, talk 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 about this with us. Follow me on Twitter at Angry Black Lady. Follow Jess on Twitter at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. Follow Rewire News Group on Twitter, on Instagram, and on YouTube. If you sign up, for YouTube to get the little notifications, you'll find out exactly when our podcast goes live. And if you don't want to look at us, I don't know why you wouldn't, because we're gorgeous, but it's okay. You can get your podcast where you normally do. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, etc. <sighs> Let's get a drink, Jess. What are we going to do first, though? We are going to see you on the tubes, folks. We're going to see you on the tubes, folks. Mm-hmm.